Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. We are this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. This feels like the first official podcast of 2023, even though technically the prediction episode I did record during 2023, even though I normally do a 2022, it's just this is the problem with New Year's landing on the weekend. You're just like, oh, okay. Well, in any case, first things first, we do have a lot to cover. CES, of course, is I think just wrapping up as I'm recording this. But needless to say, there is a lot to talk about from there. First things first, though, I want to talk about a concerning report that has come to light. That being concerns regarding the PS5 standing upright. So for those who don't know, the PS5 uses a slightly unique thermal solution. By that meaning that most game consoles, the way they're cooled is that you have the primary chip, also referred to as an SOC, that has your CPU and your GPU, most likely chunk of your RAM and a few other things all in one package. Then you have that with some thermal interface material between the actual die, the actual raw die. And when I say thermal interface material, I should clarify, I am not talking about the solid metal one that you see on desktop processors. I'm talking about like usually some kind of thermal paste that connects the die to the heat sink that actually transfers the cool, the heat. Sometimes it's just directly heat sink attached directly to the die and a fan nearby blowing straight across it. Other times it's your standard sort of copper plate with heat pipes connect to it that go off to various other heat sinks with various fans hooked up to that. There, there's multiple different thermal solutions, but usually it's something akin to an air cooler. The PS5 cools pretty much exactly like that with one major exception. Rather than standard thermal paste, it uses a material known in the industry as liquid metal. Liquid metal is a compound of metals some part indium and some parts gallium. The interesting thing about liquid metal is the fact that liquid metal is, as the name suggests, liquid at room temperature. Now, some of you might think right off the bat, <gasps> wait, mercury is also a metal that's liquid and mercury is super toxic. Doesn't that mean this stuff is super toxic? No, you could probably drink some and you'd be fine. You'd I mean, you'd be ill, you'd probably end up in the hospital, but you'll live. Mercury poisoning, of course, is something far more serious. It's not toxic in that regard, but the advantage it has is that it's much more thermally conductive than your standard thermal paste, and thus can move heat away from the heat source far, far faster and far more efficiently. Well, this all sounds like great news. What's the problem? Thermal paste is not electrically conductive on its own, Liquid metal is extremely electrically conductive. So when you're using liquid metal, you need to be very, 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 very careful and make sure that it is isolated. It's a reason why in the cooling world, it is considered a, an enthusiast tool rather than one that should be industry standard. When I first learned that the PS5 was going to be using liquid metal, I thought, ooh, they better be very careful with that because man, if there's even one manufacturing defect out there that has, that lets the liquid metal seep out and start short-circuiting everything, that can be a serious problem. Reports are coming in saying that if you put your PS5 upright, long-term, 
the liquid metal can move, seep through because of gravity, and possibly short circuit components. Now, this is a big this is a big problem. PS5s aren't exactly something that you can very easily get your hands on. Heck, it took me over a year to secure the one that I own now. And quite frankly, I have a massive incentive to make sure that the PS that my PS5 does not kill itself. So, is it true? I'm inclined to think that this is an issue that should not be concerned with at this time. I think right now it is very early. So far, we've only had a couple of reports of PS5s dying that have been standing upright. What other factors were involved? Were these PS5s that, say, broke the original seal around the SOC and then tried to reassemble it thinking it's fine? And of course, well, because it's liquid metal, you need to have a really good seal and Sony put one that was very good, but you broke it. That's a possibility we don't know at this time. It also could just be a fluke. Before I definitively say, you know, maybe you should just go ahead and only store it in its vertical form factor, before you start panicking, do keep in mind that it's very possible this is a non-issue. I think it is actually extremely possible that these ones that have failed did have their heat sinks removed at one point as part of early teardown units, and after the seal's been broken and the heat sink reapplied at high pressure and whatnot that now the liquid metal is seeped out. It could be that those specific models had like a defect. Maybe they got, who knows? That also being said, I had concerns when we first heard the PS5 was gonna be using liquid metal. To my knowledge at the time, this is the only game console to have used liquid metal as its thermal interface material. Someone in chat is saying that it is an engineering fault that has existed since the PS3. I do not believe the PS3 or the PS4 have used liquid metal. Yeah, quick Google search to show that it is actually not using liquid metal. This is the first time that it is being used to my knowledge. Someone in chat says, I mean more frying parts in the upright position. That's not what's happening. The problem is the fact that the liquid metal that connects the SOC, the primary CPU and GPU, to the heatsink is seeping out and shorting the board. That's the concern. This is not a thermal issue this time. I do think the PS5 will have some thermal issues down the road as more and more games try to take advantage of that hardware because um, honestly, the design of the PS5, even though it is like a very uniquely designed console, it is not one that is designed practically like at all. Have you tried to sit your PS5 vertically or horizontally, I mean? Vertically, yeah, it makes sense. Put the base on, GG, you win. How, are you, how is that supposed to sit the other way? It's really obnoxious is what it is. It's near impossible to do. You gotta take its base plate, hook it onto the side, try to find the gap it fills, and it kind of works, but it still is rocky. And the fact that that might be the way you have to do it in order to keep the PS5 alive is, well, immensely disappointing to say the least. In the end though, we cannot confirm anything at this time regarding the PS5. All we can do is wait and see and, well, maybe it's not the worst idea to figure to start figuring out how to store your PS5 horizontally, meaning laying flat, rather than sitting vertically. Let's get a little bit of a crypto update, shall we? 
Alameda has had some of their wallets become active days after Sam Bankman-Fried made bail. Who has any faith that these wallets are gonna be used intelligently? You wanna talk about the gift that keeps on giving? It's this clown, Sam Bankman-Fried, Alameda Research, and XPF. This guy, so for those who don't know, you've probably heard at least X, XPF has gone under. It is a crypto exchange that went under after a massive fraud was exposed and the company declared bankruptcy. Wait, what's the acronym actually? I think I messed up the uh, FTX, I'm sorry. This is the problem with crypto, it's all acronyms. FTX, I, I apologize. The crypto exchange FTX went under. It was found out that its CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, was um, a bit on the sketchier side, to say the least. And it turned out that they were funneling tons of money through their sister company, Alameda Research, to go ahead and do risky investings illegally. Well, FTX went under, investigations were done, this fraud was found, Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO, ran, fled to the Bahamas, he was then arrested, extradited out of the Bahamas to the U.S., where pretty much every other actor involved in it, including his girlfriend, who was the CEO of Alameda Research, has pretty much all pled guilty in exchange for plea bargains to testify against Sam Bankman-Fried. This guy is so, so screwed, it's not even funny. A lot of people are speculating that this guy may, in fact, go into prison for life. I doubt it. I think he'll probably see about 30 years when all is said and done, but it's hard to say exactly what's going to be going on. It'll, it'll, it'll all depend on how the sentencing comes down with all the various arms of the government that are going on. Now, the guy was held in prison with a $250 million bail bond. The guy claimed he only had 100K to his name, which by the way, I would kill right now to have 100K, 100K to my name. I think right now to my name, I have 17 bucks. Oh, I'm sorry. 17 bucks in my wallet and about $12 in Penny Annie poker money. Dude, I would kill to have 100, 100K to my name right now. But the guy somehow made $250 million bail. So, I mean, already that was BS. And the fact that after he's made bail, the Alameda Research wallets have become active and have begun to start trading. Dude, what are you doing? Do you just want to kill, do you just want to kill crypto completely? This guy is going to single-handedly just ruin any faith that anyone outside of the true believers have in cryptocurrency it's just straight up i didn't actually put it in my stack but there actually is another crypto story that um i actually completely forgot about until just now that that um happened over the past week that's a fun one actually it actually involves a youtube influencer by the name of logan paul you've probably heard heard of the clown a another youtuber who does crypto investigations and is actually really good at it i might add by the name of coffeezilla did a three-part uh, expose showing what has all been going on within Logan Paul's crypto project known as CryptoZoo. And a lot of it has been, well, let's be perfectly honest, um, like almost all crypto projects is sus. 
very very sus the project launched on like what was it september 2021 i want to say i think so and um yeah it had to be and basically it launched to a non-functional anything nothing worked and well you could buy the token and do buy loot boxes with it you can't open and that was basically it that was the game it was effectively non-functional in every way shape and form all right coffeezilla reveals this a year later reveals all these bad actors that were part of the project and well that's all we expected because cryptocurrency is nowhere near as regulated as any other sector of finance it was just deemed well i guess a whole bunch of people got screwed and that's it right <laughs> oh boy oh you foolish fool no because logan paul is not a genius at all he's actually um what we in the industry would call an idiot and decided to put out his counterpoints against coffeezilla saying that his reporting was bad because the people who worked with logan paul were criminals thus proving that logan was innocent because he worked with criminals brilliant what an amazing defense one i have i'm, I'm not gonna lie it's a very bold defense to say the least one i did not see coming at all but it's what he did it was the decision he made so then some back and forth went on twitter coffeezilla said he was going to have a response to it but on the day that coffeezilla was going to go ahead and post his his response to logan paul oh and by the way i forgot to mention the response that logan said logan had said he was going to sue coffeezilla for taking advantage of logan paul's good name despite the fact that's the same influencer that showed a dead body and tried to get clicks clicks off a dead body and was also responsible for a couple other crypto scams one of which should be a crime just with the name itself i'm sorry but naming any project dink doink should be a crime it just is after and after threatening a suit for for defamation well needless to say tons of other lawyers came out saying that yeah you have no case and i don't think it's going to end well for you uh logan paul went out and said directly made a response to coffeezilla and took down the um the response video he then put up a post saying the following which i have now quickly stalled enough time to go ahead and grab it the update was as follows i just want to update you i deleted my initial response to coffee series it was rash and misaligned with the true issue at hand so i called him today and apologized the war is not with coffee let me interject no you don't say that's just good good job good job dingus in fact i'm grateful he brought this to light i will be taking accountability apologizing and coming forward with a plan in, in the near future thank you all for believing this project and sticking with me i know it's been a bumpy it's been bumpy but your support is everything to me and i'll make this right here's my here here's what i have to say about the whole thing the fact that he's been silent silent not a peep for over a year while this was all going on in the background is in itself already grounds of negligence just straight up the fact that it took an independent journalist to go out and publish a piece showing how none of this worked says volumes about logan paul's ability to go ahead and uh hire people i do hope 
that Logan takes this to heart. I do hope he goes ahead and actually takes steps in the future to go ahead and help with all this. To actually go ahead and, you know, make everything good for those who are foolish enough to go ahead and invest in this project. Because, quite frankly, it is kind of irresponsible that all this was just out there and nothing done about it. But, you know, at the very least, Logan Paul isn't EA, who has uh, lost 60% of their players' Madden franchise save files in the cloud. Yeah, EA lost 60% of everyone's save files when it comes to Madden games. I can't believe you, EA. The man is dead, and you've been mishandling his franchise poorly the whole time. Must you go ahead and kill everyone's legacy of, 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 the, of the man while you're at it? Just for shame. For absolute shame. But you know what? At the very least, here's what I can say for Madden fans. If your save file of the latest game was in fact gone, don't worry. Fire up last year's game. See if your save file is still there and just keep on playing. You will find out that the game is basically exactly the same as the most recent generation of it. Nothing lost. We're going to take our first break here. When we come back, Google says that India has copied some EU regulations per Batum. We will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. So, we have Google that is a, apparently, chat's right now trying to figure out where this bumper is from. I'm not going to lie. Greatly amused at their guesses. No one's got it yet. No, no, one, no one has it yet. I am amused no one went with the obvious answer. But in any case, in any case, while everyone keeps guessing. No one's gotten it yet, by the way. Google has accused the Competition Commission of India that it copied the EU. So here is what went down. As India went ahead and tried to push forward legislation regarding a new ruling in regards to the way data is handled, Google has accused that India just didn't bother at all to come up with their own wording. Specifically, they are saying that it, that it was straight up copied an EU ruling. Would you really be surprised at all that they go ahead and do it? But here's the thing. Someone in the chat has actually nailed it. And no, not, not where the bumper came from. It doesn't matter. You still have to comply with their laws. I mean, we can all point and laugh at India, but it doesn't change the fact that, Indi that Google still has to comply with India and their ruling. So, you know, you can just go ahead and go with that. I am actually surprised at the number of, you know, I'm actually going to get distracted a little bit and just go over, over some, of the, some of these things here. We have someone, one person mentioned uh, Perfect Cherry Blossom, Leisure Suit Larry, Lufia 2, Final Fantasy V. Cynthia of the Night, another Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy XIV, Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy VI, which I expected to be the obvious answer. Nobody, 
but that's also incorrect. Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 4, F-Zero, Ragnarok Online. I will just tell you this. No, none of you are correct. Should we go ahead and actually play it, play it again? Just because I'm, I'm now getting a far more amusement out of this than I am out of CES. All right, I'm, I'm going to play the bumper again just to see if anyone can nail it. We have one guess that's actually really close and I want to I want to see if it actually is correct or not because I, I I remember the name of the game okay yeah no it's but some people are getting closer it's not from FF6 that's actually a fun one it is a Toho it is it is from Toho it is that it is you know I'll like I'll let people keep guessing but in any case let's actually get back to everything Google is planning on one upping Apple's satellite SOS system with their next move. It is gonna be with general purpose satellite SMS. This is gonna be apparently a feature coming to Android down the road. I am more amused that this is now the play to go further and further into, yep, someone got it. Someone got it, Toho 2, Burnin' Violet. All right, anyway. It, it was, in fact, the person in chat I thought would get it, too. But I'm not going to lie. More, peop more people tried to guess on it than I thought, thought they would. And I'm, I'm, that, that makes me happy. Anyway, this appears to be the next push in cell phone technology. Because right now, name me a feature in your smartphone that you absolutely want. That you absolutely just 100% would switch your phone to get. I, I know how to, I, I know my chat so well. First thing they say, headphone jack. Of course my chat would say that. The zealots of the return of the headphone jack that they are would say that. And, you know, I, I wish that was a possibility. It is, it's far too many just won't. But in any case, besides the headphone jack returning for for you to go ahead and use your over-ear monitors, because that's the only reason I can think of you'd use headphones for nowadays. But in any case, you have a hard time thinking of one that isn't like some feature you're used to having that vanished for, for whatever reason. Personally, I'm not gonna lie, I would take micro SD card returning over a headphone jack. Like if we're gonna start talking about like the thing that phones used to have, and you only have one, I would take the SD card slot. I know there'd be a great debate between expandable storage, headphone jack, or removable battery. Oh, see, there it is. SD card first. Second for me would be, actually, yeah, no, second for me actually would, would be uh, headphone jack. Someone in chat's like, I'm not gonna lie, I want the ability to actually turn off my phone. Hold down the power button and the volume down button. Almost every phone will just turn off the hard way that way. First. Or it'll take a screenshot, <laughs> one of the two. Or is it volume up in the power button? Bah, 
Okay, may, may, maybe that doesn't work anymore. Actually, can Samsung just get rid of their assistant? Just period. But in any case, I know every phone has the ability to like hard turn off the phone. And it's like the count of 10 or something like that. I now can't do it to my own phone. Oh, I just did it. Yeah, no, you can actually turn your phone off off. Anyway, this is gonna be the next push. This always connected, this backup network sort of thing using satellites. I'm telling you right now, because at this point, everyone's having trouble trying to figure out what the next big way to get you to upgrade your phone is. No, there's only so much you can do to the camera. Eventually it just becomes a size space. How long until the iPhone just becomes one giant camera bump? That little tri-island there is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Eventually, it's just gonna look like that Nokia phone they launched that one year where it just looked like a DSLR with a, with a phone attached to it. How many people remember that one? And also for those wondering, I have no idea which button combination it was that actually shut off my phone, but um, it took a bit. It took like a full 20 seconds for it to actually work. But I have a feeling that's gonna be the next big push. Maybe they'll come up with something that actually will be more interesting. We'll just wait and see. Someone in chat says AR integration is gonna be the next step. Man, AR and VR right now is, um, the buzz feels like it's starting to wane a bit with AR and VR. And what's not helping at all is the fact that VR right now, and actually AR for that fact, a lot of the equipment to get into it now is so prohibitively expensive. It's crazy. We'll get to more to that later on. Now, with that said, let's shift gears a little bit, staying in the Android space. Google is bringing some media magic to your Android devices with Spotify, YouTube, and music, and, and YouTube music. This is all apparently, all of these are getting the support of Android 13's media switcher so that you can go ahead and well, basically, it all integrates easier as far as I'm understanding. Someone in chat says they demand a Neuralink. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, literally anyone but people I care about can go ahead and do that. Ha have fun, kids. I'm sure it'll go great. Don't do it, by the way. You're listening to this podcast. Therefore, I care about you. Don't, don't get a Neuralink. Anyway, while bad trolls are going, ahead and going, going out with it, the push is to go ahead and have better integration with Android and other platforms which by the way if android hopes to actually like gain some ground on ios they need to do this the biggest advantage that ios has right now over android is that everything works smoothly seamlessly and there's not any sort of jankiness to it let's be honest anytime you switch any sort of sources on android it feels like a kind of strange little chore to go through and you're putting up with just like if I go ahead and say oh I'm watching something on on my computer here and I'm getting really tired and I'm like oh, I'll switch over to my tv and just watch as I fall asleep it takes almost a minute for it to switch over someone on chat says to gain grounds on iOS Android's on 75% of all phones what's the market share of Android versus iOS the problem right now is the fact that iOS continues to gain more and more and more and more ground. And they realistically shouldn't be. Right now, Android only gets out and actually has a majority because there are so many phones. The other reason is that they're also affordable. This kind of stuff right here that Samsung's pulling off right here, 
where we have a thousand dollar plus phone and it goes ahead and does janky stuff like this where it's just taking forever to do just about anything. It's what's going to hurt them in the long run. In the end, when it comes to any sort of market like this, innovation is key. And if you're just going to say, oh, hey, it's fine. That's fine that you just, it takes a while to do something that it absolutely shouldn't. It's fine that it takes, you know, takes about 30 seconds for it to switch over from one thing to another. I like how chat is just like, mine's faster than that. Is it? When was the last time you actually restarted your phone? One of you didn't even know your phone turned off. <laughs> You're going to be thinking about this. Trust me. It's not just my phone. It's a large chunk of them out there. You begin to start tolerating this sort of thing, but I've gone from iOS or I've gone from Android to iOS to Android. I've seen how the other side operates. Android is slow compared to iOS. The biggest push that Android has on top of iOS, uh, on top of Apple though, is the fact that of course you're much more flexible on Android. You have a lot more capability to go ahead and do whatever. This kind of initiative to try and do this near instantaneous swapping back and forth. That is what this push is all about. It's kind of like, do you remember how much of a speed boost this was when you first switched your computer from a hard drive to an SSD? How you're just like, yeah, my computer was fast enough on a, uh, on my fricking, uh, on my hard drive. Then you switch to that SSD. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, it's a big deal when you make that first switch. That's kind of the point. Chat thinks my phone is slow because I have Bixby on it. Bixby's off, by the way. Bixby was one of the first things I disabled on my phone. The problem I have is the fact that frickin' Samsung and their infinite wisdom, if you dare hold down the power button, what it does is that it turns on the frickin' virtual assistant instead of, you know, bringing up the frickin' power menu like it's frickin' supposed to. You can change that too. When did they do that? Because it's not, it wasn't an option on my phone. It wasn't there when I went through the settings. But in any case, that is the point of this push by Google. I swear, I'm, 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 I need to focus on that freaking thing. We've gone for only two topics in this segment. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're never going to finish this podcast. We're going to be here until tomorrow. And I only have an hour and a half left. Ah, oh, for crying out loud. Yours, there is no note 12. <laughs> anyway, I also love how talking about why Android's making this push towards snappier and better transitions. Everyone went, I don't have that problem. You've gotten used to it. Oh no, that's just you. No, it's not. You've gotten used to it. I'm telling you, you've gotten used to it. <laughs> I love how I report on a story from Google and everyone else is, and everyone's thing is just going, no, no, Eagle, that's just you. It's clearly not me because Google's doing it. <laughs> It'd be like if Microsoft said, we're switching from hard drives to SSDs because they're faster. It's like, oh no, my hard drive's plenty fast, Microsoft. What's wrong with you? It's just like, Anyway, we're moving on. MagSafe is apparently coming to Android because of one wireless standard. I don't know why. <laughs> so here is the thought process. This new standard, the QI2 standard, is basically, as far as I can tell, wireless Qi with magnets. I'm not gonna lie. I have a feeling if Apple didn't come up with their rebranding of the MagSafe, for their phones, people would be like, huh, neat. 
because that's really all this is it's not like it's not like this is introducing like a new way of doing the the charging it's not like this is going ahead and excuse me increasing the speeds or introducing data transfer or anything like that it's just the normal wireless chi charging standard with a ring of magnets which granted it's good stuff someone in chat they're not they're not just magnets they're mechanically strong magnets because of how they're orientated so, so they're magnets y you see how that doesn't change the end result they're magnets they are good magnets yes they are someone in chat be yes but because of the orientation and spacing they have a mechanical locking function yeah they're it's it's magnets i'm sure this is super cool to engineers and that sort of thing i'm looking at it from a user point of view i get the importance as to why it is a standard it makes us let's for very easy early it's big oh not early adoption but just for adoption in general with with newer phones because i'll tell you what one thing i was actually very furious with i got a wireless charger for for christmas okay you know what i found out my phone is so big it doesn't align right with the charger now if it actually did have this standard because of the magnets that actually is one thing that could have been very helpful i could just orientate the phone this way instead of sitting in the charger this way and it would line up but otherwise right now the wireless charger is useless and i just well who wants a wireless charger that is a smaller phone than me and that's just unfortunate so i get the importance as to why it is important i do get it and it will be far 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 more interesting to see what people do with this standard down the road but for now you are going to have a very difficult time getting anyone excited for wireless chi but with magnets someone in chat said it's feature bloat no it's not you know what feature bloat is feature bloat is including a virtual assistant no one wants on your phone feature bloat is going ahead and including an automated assistant on yours that tries to go ahead and clean up your phone and download free games for you that is feature bloat and that i hate why t-mobile why have you done this to my phone that is feature bloat but to say like oh okay hey we have uh this phone has four cameras on the on the back and a zoom camera that's way too much for the average person that's not just feature bloat that's just more than you need i mean there's a difference between all of that all right now moving on to more google news i want to actually have at least the full google block finished before i have to go to another break because man we are running out of time very very quickly and i actually do have a finite amount of time i can actually be on all of this so moving on google has developed a free terror <laughs> a free quote terrorism moderation tool for smaller websites all right here's what i want to know how long until um it turns out this free terrorism moderation tool for smaller websites does something very very silly i'm just anytime i hear moderate automated moderation tool regardless of whether it's targeted for terrorism or otherwise i just imagine ah yes that has now massively backfired i just foresee it happening far far too much speaking of automated thing microsoft wants to incorporate open ai into bing okay you know what actually unironically no sarcasm 
no cap, none of that. This actually might make Bing relevant. This is actually interesting. OpenAI has actually been a very fascinating chatbot that has been, I'm sorry, chat GDP or G chat GPT, there we go, has been a very fascinating chatbot in the fact that it has just straight up done a lot of stuff that has been actually fascinating. Like this sucker has been actually used to write out and fix computer code with a relatively high success success rate. Does it miss? Of course it miss. It's an AI. But realistically, dude, this actually could be a big, big change in the way that search sites are used. And you know what? This could be exactly what Bing needs. And I mean that with all sincerity, which is very rare coming from a walking sarcasm machine like myself. We're gonna take a break here. When we come back, I wanna talk about the state of VR and what it means in regards to Apple. Welcome back, Eli's on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so ECC is going directly head to head with with uh, our good buddies over at Meta. So right now, Meta has the MetaQuest Pro, which is their currently their highest end headset out there, and it's it's priced out at a crazy crazy high price tag of $1,500. Now, Meta is saying that it's gonna have the best performance out there and then gives us absolutely no, none, zip zero nada specs as to why it is gonna be so good. Well, ACC does a little better than that. They give, they give us the HTC Vive XR Elite. It is going to be a standalone VR headset that is going to be featuring a Snapdragon XR2 chipset with 12 gigabytes of RAM, 120 gigabytes of onboard storage, which by the way, I have not seen an article use the word ROM for uh, for your onboard storage in quite some time. And then of course you can, get, you can connect the headset over USB-C to connect it to a higher powered VR headset. So I mean, it's pretty much gonna be the everything you'd ever want in a headset sort of headset. But the problem is that this sucker is going to be, um, it's not gonna be cheap. I'll put it that way. This sucker is going to cost $1,100. Look, I'll take this over the MetaQuest Pro in the day of the week, but man, Valve Index is looking like a very good investment right now. Not gonna lie. If you're in the VR, if you're in the VR space and maybe it's just me, but man, VR, for something that everyone kept saying is gonna be more and more accessible as time goes off and goes onward, it is getting less and less accessible. The meta systems are pretty much a no-go simply because they are now like solely in a walled guard eco a walled garden ecosystem that you have no chance of escaping and who knows what else is going on in there, where even its developers are not very passionate about what they're doing. And then everything else is just getting expensive out there which is kind of a shame because the technology is very 
interesting. Now, someone mentioned in the chat earlier that um, VR is just a gimmick for video games. AR, mixed reality, is where everything is going to be fantastic. Well, Apple has that same thing in mind. Analysts are saying that Apple's mixed reality headset can be announced in spring at the earliest. Ah, yes, the rumors of the mixed reality Apple headset. Someone in chat, but does that have a headphone jack? What do you think is from Apple? You're gonna be lucky if it has a power jack. Let's be honest here for a second. I, I mean, what would I want from an Apple mixed reality headset? I don't know. Like everything right now involving VR just seems like something I just don't want to touch. But someone in chat says a free U2 album, duh. Uh, I see. Yeah, I'm sure Apple could do that. Is U2 still even around? I mean, we'll just have to wait and see if Apple can wow us with a mixed reality headset, but maybe it's just my own circumstances of, you know, looking at the store of the server rack out there and seeing that it needs some, some help. I got a bad drive that needs to be replaced, a PC that needs some help over here, a tablet needs to be, like, there's a lot of stuff in my own personal life that needs fixing. And it's just like getting into VR just seems so out of reach for me right now. But I imagine it's a similar case with a lot of people right now especially with things like the cost of living just going up more and more. But Apple did do one good thing for us. Uh, they did quietly roll out audiobooks. All of their audiobooks on their marketplace. I'm sorry, all their, wait, I'm saying this wrong. All books on its store are now audiobooks that are now being done by AI. I hope you enjoy the reading of the rest of this podcast by more AI things. It will be entertaining to see how everything else is done from here on out. I'm curious, but not looking very hopeful. Maybe that's what I should do. Maybe, maybe that's how I squeeze the rest of this podcast in to the limited time I have left. I just start going everything in a robot voice. That's clearly the, 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 the way to go, right? In other news, Apple has decided to raise the price of its battery replacements for older iPhone models because you tools out there decided to continue to use the same phone instead of upgrading like you're supposed to. It is clear that this move is done by Apple to force you peons to go ahead and upgrade to the latest model like you're supposed to instead of trying to dare to continue to use the same phone and reduce the size of your carbon footprint on the planet. How dare you continue to try and help the environment instead of expediating its destruction, you foolish fools. In other news, the government has made it so that USB-C will be a mandatory port over in India as well. It is also quite possible that they plagiarize this also from the EU. Flashing back to an earlier story made by that flesh sack. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. We see more of the glorious USB-C making it to market. Now, while USB-C is glorious, AMD is not. For AMD has finally decided to acknowledge the fact that their founders boards have a problem with their heat sinks as they continue to thermal throttle. Independent journalists and independent enthusiasts 
have done numerous testing and determined that the Founders Edition cards of the RX 7900XTX GPUs decided to see why they were running so hot. Not realizing the problem was the fact that the vapor chamber itself was just simply inferior. Alright, enough of that nonsense. This is actually very important. We've been talking about how the Radeon RX 7900 XTX has been having some thermal throttling issues where the, where the GPU die would just shoot up all the way to 110 Celsius and just thermal, th thermal throttle itself and just leave a ton of performance on the table. Partner boards were not impacted. There were some early speculations that some were. It turns out none of them are. Now, YouTuber DeBauer did determine that, in fact, the vapor chamber was the cause. Potentially, it just didn't have enough liquid inside the, the vapor chamber, and that was the problem, but we just weren't sure. Someone in the chat said, didn't they, they just confirm yesterday that, that they would update the manufacturing to keep, keep the liquid metal used to cool, cool the dye would be connected? Not that I'm aware of a question. Does this card use liquid metal? Trying to piece this in right where it's supposed to be. All right. Wait, do I have the same story? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah, none of this is news. God dang it. <laughs> Been debated. I was getting to that. Yes, AMD has admitted the problem does exist. They will be replacing all the GPUs that have the problem. They have determined the problem is with the vapor chamber, just as Derbauer has as well. <laughs> so they will be RMA'd. We're not sure of the exact fix. Um, uh, Tom's hardware got a report saying that they're replacing the thermal interface material. I'm not sure if that's the case. I want to say that independent testing from Der Bauer showed that in fact, it wasn't the thermal interface material because he did try to swap it out with liquid metal himself and he got the same results. But you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. All I know is that, a and the whole point of the story was in fact, AMD is in fact going to be replacing the cards. And that's the important thing right there. Now, one thing that actually is of note, though, and this is concerning to both AMD and NVIDIA, desktop GPUs have now hit a 20-year low. Gee, can you figure out why? Why have GPUs at a 20-year low? Hmm. Maybe it's because, A, there is a massive surplus of used GPUs on the market from last generation that anyone who wants a GPU can go ahead and get because crypto miners can't use them for crypto, crypto anymore, and B, the fact that all current model GPUs cost, uh, oh, I don't know, about as much as one of my kidneys. You know all the reasons why last year was one of the biggest sales years for GPUs ever to the point where they couldn't stay in stock whatsoever and ended up hiking their prices to no end and still selling? Yeah, every single one of those reasons has reversed. So now you have high-priced GPUs without the demand. Why are sales low? I wonder why. Incredible. Simply incredible. So what has the response been? What do you think the response was? If you were AMD and NVIDIA, what would your response be to demand being low? Did, did you say uh, lower the cost of the current GPUs? Man, that's so optimistic. No, it's to lower their orders. NVIDIA and AMD are slashing their orders from TSMC to go ahead and be prepared for the fact that um, there's just no demand. None at all. Zip, zero, nada. Are you surprised? You shouldn't be. 
All right, let's actually start dipping into some of the CES news. We talked a little bit about some stuff that was introduced at CES, but here we're actually gonna get into all the juicy bits. Let's start with NVIDIA. NVIDIA announces the RTX 4070 Ti, or I'm sorry, the RTX 4070 Ti. It has been introduced and it has roughly the same performance as the RTX 3090 Ti, I mean Ti. You know what's amazing? Here's what's amazing. First off, they tried to say that this card is faster than the 3090 Ti. Their announcer guy couldn't get straight whether it's pronounced Ti or Ti. And uh, pretty much this is kind of a case of GIF or GIF where uh, Nvidia says it's pronounced Ti, but everyone else is gonna pronounce it Ti because Ti is stupid. Kind of like how the creator of the GIF pronounces it GIF, but we're gonna pronounce it GIF anyway because GIF starts with a J, checkmate. But the beauty of this was the fact that uh, they said on stage that it's the 4070 Ti and the 3090 Ti. Bravo. Bravo. You did it. You did it. Good job. They're trying to say that the 4070 Ti is faster than the 3090 Ti. And uh, guess what? Um, independent reviews came out the day after. And pretty much it was one massive giant beatdown of NVIDIA by literally the rest of the tech world. And it was glorious. Oh, my God, I have never seen so many people slam on NVIDIA for what they did here. So here's basically, here's basically how it goes. The 4070 Ti performs close to the 3090 Ti, but not quite. In fact, the 4070 Ti is actually the 4080 that was unlaunched because we all called out NVIDIA on their BS. Spec for spec, it's the exact same card, as we expected. It is in fact NVIDIA trying to sell off their bad marketing and their attempt to try and deceive the lesser educated masses on what their cards are. That is what the 3070 Ti is. It is a mark that NVIDIA was caught in bad marketing, not once, but twice. Because the way they got their graphs was to hinder the 3090 Ti by turning off DLSS and turning it on for the 4070. This was as rigged a graph as possible. And here's the best part. This sucker is priced at, I wanna say, yep, there it is, at $799, $100 less than what the card was originally gonna sell for. But, <laughs> but, here's the thing. That MSRP is a bigger joke than normal because they're not making a Founders Edition to actually sell at that MSRP. That's right. While NVIDIA forced all the board partners to rebrand to 4070 Ti, they wouldn't rebrand their Founders cards to 4070 Ti. They took the cheap way out and refused to do it. This leads to a big problem. This means that the board partners set the price. And because they all need to recoup the costs of NVIDIA's douchebaggery and all this, their bad, bad marketing practices and all that jazz, marketing, not marketing. What is marketing? Anyway, they're marking this sucker up by $50 minimum across the board. This $800 card is selling for $850 base if you're lucky. This makes this card 
a massive lose, 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 lose. So you want to know how they got that $800 price? They looked at what the 30, the 3090 Ti was selling for on the used market. So yeah, this was one big fat L for Nvidia and no one is thrilled about it. And I'm sitting here with a 1060 on my gaming PC going, huh, I should upgrade that at some point. I ain't gonna be with this, that's for sure. I don't know what I'm gonna upgrade that 1060 with. But Nvidia, of course, didn't announce just that. They also announced that there are gonna be mobile versions of the RTX 4090 and 4080, and they're saying that these laptops will start at $2,000. And this brings to another thing I wanna gripe about for a bit here. Why the actual heck are we just calling it an RTX 4090 inside the laptop when there's no way you can fit the RTX 4090 into a laptop? That old deceptive marketing practices thing here. Oh, look at that. It's back again. Wow. Great. Thanks. Thanks, NVIDIA. I absolutely still completely and utterly hate it. Uh, just know if it's in a laptop, it's going to be way, way slower. Just be aware of that. Someone in chat says that the article I had showed two prices. One, one ninety nine, $19.99 and $9.99. It's $19.99. I'm just telling you that right now. The other one's a typo. And then finally, NVIDIA showed off. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not finally. The, the last thing that people cared about was the fact that NVIDIA is upgrading their GeForce Now tier to now include newer, higher-end NVIDIA cards to supposedly offer up to 240 frames per second of cloud gaming all for $20 a month. Because you know what you need? You need to be reminded that you can't afford our cards. You just simply can't. It's either over $1,000 to be able to game or pay us $20 a month forever because we went ahead and, and got everything out of your price range. <sighs> Thanks. Thanks, NVIDIA. That's what I always wanted. I wanted the old way I used to game to be gone and instead pay money forever to do it anyway. That's what I always wanted, said no one ever. But you know what? NVIDIA does have plans to uh, get inside your car. In fact, they're helping Hyundai with, uh, with getting gaming inside cars because raisins. Isn't that what you wanted? Didn't you want a game inside your car? No? All right, we don't have a whole lot of time left for this segment, so let's talk about Intel because that's about as much time as we have. Intel has announced new lower wattage CPUs for the desktop. These are the non-K variants of their desktop processors that will be between 65 watts and 35 watts on the processor. That's all neat and fine. It's gonna be basically for basic business computers. Not a whole lot of people are gonna care, but they announced that's going to exist. They also announced mobile versions of their processors. We're gonna have four different series of this. We're gonna have the HX, which is gonna be 55 watt laptop CPUs, which is nuts. That's gonna be up to 24 cores. We have the H series, which is gonna be 45 watt cards. These are gonna be for like your, your thin and light mobile workstations and your kind of razor blade-esque style gaming computers, the laptops that are, you know, thin and whatnot. We then have the P series, that's gonna be 28 watts. That's gonna be targeted at your thin and lights. And then your U series was gonna be at your ultra, at your low voltage style systems. Those are gonna be at 15 watts. This is actually kind of really high wattage compared to what they used to be in the past. I assume there's gonna be some 
that will be far, 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 far lower wattage. Let's actually take a look, see if they, oh yeah, we do actually have some variants in entry level laptops and desktops that are as low as six watts, what they're calling the N series. What is the highest end of these HX processors? We're gonna see 24 cores, 32 threads, eight performance cores, 16 efficiency cores, clocking all the way up to 5.6 gigahertz at their turbo frequency. Base frequency is gonna be at 2.2 gigahertz. Like it's gonna take forever to go through all this, but I'll just say this much. These are some, this is interesting. I actually can't wait to see some of these benchmarks on some of, on some of what could be some very high-end gaming laptops. And of course, this is all going to the fastest mobile processor, that big old Core i9-13980HX, the CPU I just talked about. And Intel was very, very proud of that one. And then the last thing that Intel showed off was that they're bringing super sampling, their ZESS, Z-E-S-S, to mobile processors. You know, where super sampling is actually needed the most. The ability to go ahead and produce a higher resolution image with less computing power. You know, all good stuff, all great. I am surprised it took, it, took Intel this long to bring this technology to their mobile lines. We're gonna take another break here. When we come back, we have more CES news to cover, including AMD, which is up. No, actually, I do have one more Intel story before I actually get to that. Intel has quietly raised the prices of its 12th gen Alder Lake CPUs, and now they cost more than their 13th gen. Cool. Just in case you thought that NVIDIA was the only bad apple out there, it turns out, no. No, they're not. Intel also just wants you to go ahead and sell your kidneys. Now we'll get, take a break and come back to talk about AMD. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so AMD. AMD, of course, had their keynote as well. And uh, it was almost what we expected. We expected some 3D cache models of the 7000 series. We got that. We got the Ryzen 9 79, I'm sorry, the 7950X3D, the 7900X3D, and the 7800X3D. We pretty much, uh, we pretty much got exactly what we expected out of that. And you know, right now we don't know what the exact performance boost is gonna be. The specs seem a little different than what we expected. So we're just gonna have to wait on independent testing to see what it's all going to be. AMD also showed off Ryzen 7000 mobile CPUs, and I'm not gonna lie, the naming scheme makes me want to just scream. Absolutely scream. So, at the top end, we have the Ryzen 7045 series, where that zero, of course, will be replaced with the tier of, where the zero will be the tier of uh, pro processor, with a maximum 16 cores, 32 threads, very impressive, on the five nanometer manufacturing node, which will support USB 4, but not an AI engine, and will support DDR5, and support RDNA 2 GPUs on board. Okay. Next was the 7040 series, which only goes with the eight cores, 16 threads. Oh, by the way, I forgot the cache. The, the total cache on the 45 is 80 megs. The 40 series is only 20 megs, but is on a better four nanometer node, 
and supports a much better integrated GPU at whatever a 12X RDNA 3 GPU is. And that also will have AI engines, whatever that means. The 40 series is also the only one that will have the AI engine. The 35 series will be Zen 3 Plus, not to be confused with Zen 3 or Zen 4, eight cores max, six nanometer node, 12X RDNA 2 will support USB 4. Ryzen 7030, Zen 3, just Zen 3, eight cores, 20 megs, seven nanometers, 8X Vega GPU, really bad GPU there, and DDR4. Then the 20 series, the, the 7020, will be Zen 2, going way back there, four cores, six megabytes of cache. The other ones, by the way, were 20 megs, six nanometer process, 2X RDNA 2, and no USB 4, no AI engine supporting DDR5. I just... It, it, I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I just, why? Everything's just so all over the place when it comes to what has what. And it could in fact just have, you know, this could make total sense when you actually see how each is utilized. Maybe on this graph is just a poor representation of it. I fully admit that is a possibility, a very strong possibility I might add, but just, just yeah, holy cow. I feel like I'm having a stroke trying to understand all of this. In any case, AMD says that these suckers will have insane battery life, insane performance. You know, that's great and all, but um, look, I'm not gonna lie, AMD. I feel a little betrayed by the whole competing with Nvidia, but keeping the price so far out of reach. It just makes me look up and go, you were the chosen ones. You were supposed to save us from the 40 series, not join them. And it's just, you know, I'm a little betrayed by that. So because of that, and not because I always wait for independent reviews to verify things anyway, I'll be waiting for independent reviews to verify things. We'll see how that all goes down. Could be very interesting. Lenovo at CES though, um, they smoked some good stuff. I don't know what exactly they smoked, but man, they came out swinging with some very interesting stuff. First off, Lenovo enters the education market with an e-ink book reader that lets you take notes. We've actually seen this from Amazon as well, but the sole purpose is going to be in the note-taking and education sector, trying to go ahead and replace, at least I hope that's the goal, to replace textbooks, because this would be brilliant in the average school. Black and white e-reader e with a stylus, jot down your notes. Those days that we all had of carrying around 40 pounds worth of tech books and a hiking backpack and we had to walk up hills both ways in the snow, that could be a thing of the past for the next generation. Zona Chat says, E-Ink's refresh rate is absolutely garbage though, isn't it? Yes, and? The, ref the refresh rate on your book is also garbage. For something like this, it's brilliant. Now, I mean, like, the refresh rate on this thing is going to be, like, what, 5 hertz? The actual specs on this thing is that it's going to be using a Rockchip RK3566 processor, which, whatever the heck that is, a flavor of Android based on Android 11, but it has the letters AOSP in it, which means something, 4 gigabytes of RAM, 64 gigabytes of storage, a 10.3-inch display. It is going to be dual color, which means black and gray, two microphones, an accelerometer, ambient light sensor, a 3,500 milliamp battery, 
expecting to ha have up to 7,000 pages worth of reading in one charge, because of course, once it refreshes the page to the new page, it doesn't consume the battery anymore, as well as Bluetooth 5.2, Wi-Fi, USB-C, no headphone jack, however. Wah, wah. Yeah, dual color means monochrome, exactly. It means grayscale. This will have the ability to have email, a calendar, clock calculator, and an ebooks.com app. Honestly, this is actually very interesting. And I like to see more and more. I'm just happy to see e-ink just getting a fair shake. All right? Because it does have its place. And we don't utilize it nearly as much as we could or should. Now, let's talk about a bad use of e-ink. Because we do have that. And you're wondering, who could you have a bad use of e-ink? Also, Lenovo. Introducing the ThinkBook Plus Twist. A laptop that has two screens on it. An OLED screen on the front. And a color e-ink on the back with a swivel hinge. So you choose which one you're looking at. I'm not going to lie. I like this concept. I like the concept of being able to flip your screen use a color e-ink screen for when you really don't want to save on battery life. I just don't know who this is for. <laughs> who likes this idea? Of course, both screens are touch screens. And, um, well, yeah. Both the e-ink screen and the OLED screen are colorful. However, the e-ink screen is a lot less colorful. This sucker will start at 1649 via Windows 11 based machine is a 13th gen Intel product, up to 16 gigabytes RAM, up to a terabyte of storage, only Intel integrated graphics. It's a fascinating computer, but, and I, and someone else in the chat said, I think it's neat. I just don't know who's, who, who would use this. It's quirky, it's weird, but you know what? Welcome to CES. This is what it's all about. The quirky, the weird, the we don't know who this is for, but look at what we can do. Much like, this dual screen, um, laptop? Question mark? This is weird and fascinating. And once again, this is just CES in a nutshell. The Yoga Book 9i is a twin 13 inch, is a dual 13 inch laptop that has two screens. One where the screen would be and one where the keyboard would be. And it comes with a like, foldable origami kind of stand and the keyboard is separate from the rest of it there's all kinds of functionality you can use this for you can have both the screens sitting portrait you can have them both standing vertically on top of each other in landscape mode to landscape screens you can go ahead and just put the keyboard on the lower screen and then the part of the screen that's still exposed is now your trackpad it's it's weird it's a weird laptop and you know what? If you're fascinated by it, you're already sold. Personally, I, again, this is what CES is about. These kind of reimaginings of what we all do in the already existing computer space. But one thing that's going to be a hard sell is the fact this thing is $2,100. $2,100 for a thin and light. Woo! That is a, uh, that is a hefty pill to swallow. But Lenovo plans on actually launching this thing, so... Good on them. Lenovo also had a foldable laptop. I don't have a whole lot of details on that. It's a new generation of their already folding, already folding existing laptop. It's where the big 16 screen folds in half. It's better than the one they introduced last year. I don't have an article for it, but it exists. 
Lenovo is also coming out with a Project Kronos. It is going to be basically the connect for everyone's favorite buzzword, the metaverse. So that you too can have everything stalked on you while you're in the metaverse and have your movements actually tracked and brought into the metaverse. Someone in chat asks, does everything cost a kidney these days or is it just living? No, it's everything. Now, real, now, real talk here. Real talk for a minute. I think this thing is going to see, see much better life in the third party market than it is going to be in the walled garden that is the metaverse. Because the thing is, is that even the developers of, of the metaverse don't even like the metaverse. They're trying to go ahead and just interact with the, with the metaverse as little as possible as it already is. They're, they don't even want any part of it. The fact that you have non-wearable motion tracking, if it works really well, you know who's going to see the most use out of this? VTubers. I said it in my prediction episode. There is not a lot of purpose-built hardware for capturing movement and animating an avatar that VTubers use, or even the VR space for that fact. Everything that's out there right now is very, very janky. And right now the best tools is literally, I'm not even kidding, literally mounting an iPhone to a tripod because that's the only place you can get a modern real sense camera. That's where I think it's gonna see the most use, but we'll have to wait and see if it even launches that fact. And then finally, the biggest announcement that Lenovo had, the one that matters the most. Long, long ago, if you remember, Lenovo bought Motorola and then seemed to do almost nothing with it. Ladies and gentlemen, we see the first sign that Lenovo is actively doing something with Motorola other than telling them to keep being Motorola. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the ThinkPhone, the first phone since the BlackBerry developed for business professionals. And you can tell it's built for business professionals because it, it has a red dot on the side, like the ThinkPads. Like it takes design cues from the ThinkPads, obviously. Matte black all around. Obviously going to be a big, big fan for MKBHD until he actually uses it because the rest of the specs seem kind of underwhelming. We have a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 processor, either 8 or 12 gigabytes of RAM, very respectable. 12, fit to, to 128, 256, or 512 gigabytes of internal storage. A 5,000 milliamp battery, very impressive. Fast charging of up to 68 watts or 15 watts via wireless a 50 megapixel main shooter, a 30 megapixel ultra wide, and a 32 megapixel front facing camera and a hole punch. Wi-Fi 6E, 5G support, 5.2 Bluetooth, dual stereo speakers with Dolby Atmos, and, it, and the only color it comes in is carbon black as it should. You know what is missing though for a business phone? And one, you know what the ThinkPad's known for? Besides still being one of the only devices out there that has a track point? The ThinkPad is known for exceptional durability and serviceability and security. There's gonna be some software-based security in there as well as productivity, unified clipboard, unified notifications, some nice cool things, file dropped, app streaming, whatever. Where's my removable storage? Seriously, where is it? Heck, where's my headphone jack? What if I need to take an important business, an, an important um, business meeting and I want no one to talk, to, to hear me. Where's my headphone jack? Where's my rule storage? Where's my access to the battery to replace it, to keep this phone 
going as long as I can. For a device that is trying to pick up the legacy of the ThinkPad, it is doing an absolute garbage job of picking up the legacy of the ThinkPad's durability. It is something I'm actually greatly disappointed in, in this phone. Extremely, extremely disappointed. And the fact that Lenovo was just like, yeah, this is fine, is also just kind of telling. Very disappointing. All right, let's shift gears to some somewhere else. Samsung has launched some new micro LED TVs that have two nanoseconds of response time so that they could double as your gaming monitor as well. Impressive. What is the cost? Oh, it's not much. Don't worry. These TVs are not that expensive. Don't worry. The price is nowhere near as high as you're expecting between 50, 50 and 100K. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's, it's very affordable if you're a king. Welcome to CES. That thing is never going to hit the market, by the way. I will be stunned if that hits the market. Samsung, however, uh, does want to like remind you that don't worry, we make monitors that you maybe, maybe can afford, like uh, the latest 8K 57 inch ultra wide display that uh, may or may not just take up an entire wall of your room. The Odyssey Neo G9 is a 32 by nine ultra wide monitor with a resolution of 7860 by 2160 HDR 1000, a 1 million to one contrast ratio and a low, low price of, I'm willing to bet this article doesn't even say what it is. Uh, yeah, it looks like no price has been announced as of yet. I'll just tell you this right now, it's 2K. It's gonna be probably even higher. Someone in chat asked, why would you need that? Well, you see, not everyone can go to a place like I have and just go ahead and grab some uh, some crazy hot, some crazy cheap uh, 23 inch monitors and put three of them on an arms on on uh, monitor arms. They want all. They just want one big monitor with all that, not three. I don't know, man. It, it's beyond me. I'll say that much. It's definitely not for me. The else is not for me. <laughs> uh, a, a new oven that lets you stream your food as it's baking in said oven. <laughs> Chat's like, that's it. We've reached peak meme. <laughs> you two can go ahead. I can't stop laughing. Oh, the oven has smart functionality in it that um, will use an internal camera that the AI uses to make sure it doesn't burn anything, but also to view your oven to social media. In fact, the company's sack sheet says that it is quote, great for content creators with avid chefs who want to share their dishes. <laughs> I just, I just can't even, I just can't even sometimes it's just simply and utterly incredible anyway lg has revealed their latest oled tv supporting hdmi 2.1 it's 70 percent brighter and um oh yeah it's wireless it is a wireless tv the only cord it has going to it is the power instead you have a set top box that is set aside from the tv that does all the thinking and wirelessly sends the signal to the TV up to 30 feet away. That is the future right there. Just going ahead 
And yeah, someone in chat, so don't game on it. No, you can just totally game on it. You see, you should totally game on it and then get into the same lobbies as me where I'll be on a real computer so I can get easy kills off on you. That's, that's how it should be going. Someone in chat asks, does the smart oven play Skyrim? I do not believe it does. All right. Alienware was at CES as well, and they have shown off their latest laptops. They actually have three of them this time. We have the Legend, the Legend 2.0, and the Legend 3 for some reason. But we now have 18-inch and 16-inch laptops. The 18-inch, unfortunately, is not a revival of the Alienware M18X that I absolutely loved the heck out of. No, they're all... I'm not going to lie. I hate them. Like, they're fine. They're fine gaming laptops. They're much more subtle compared to Alienware, how Alienware usually is. The only RGB is on the keyboard, the logo, and on this little, like, little loop that's on the rear. But man, I, I have to ask it. I, I have to ask Alienware, what happened? Remember last year or the year before? Actually, it was the year before because last year, because the past couple of years were a myth. When you released this, this laptop right here, the one you actually went ahead and collabed with your precision division, the one that used a desktop processor, the one that you said you were going to support for years on end, the one you said was going to be upgradable again and again and again. Remember that? Remember? Look at it now. Dead on my shelf. No parts. Nothing. Zip zero nada. Thanks. Thanks, Dell. This was a fascinating laptop. This, the M18X, or the, I'm sorry, the, the Area 1, what, what, what is this thing called? The, the Area 51M was an interesting laptop. This was a laptop that had some serious power behind it. This was a fascinating laptop. I mean, for a laptop that basically was a desktop, not that thick, kind of heavy though. This sucker feels like it weighs like 10, 15 pounds, easy. This was a fascinating and innovative laptop. Where is this now? Where is this in your lineup, Alienware? People in chat were just like, hey, look, it's the, it's the Dell Consumer Division again. They showed they had some people who cared on their team. That's what's really disappointing. The fact that they showed someone there at least had passion, that went ahead and talked to the Enterprise Division, that went ahead and brought some of those amazing features Precision had over to the consumer side of things. Where is he now? You need that guy back. Because this, this is beyond disappointing. And all it's going to do is just take advantage of complete suckers. But, um, you know, Alienware at least did, uh, did release a, uh, a new monitor that looks like a real thing that exists. This gaming monitor somehow has more RGB on it than the laptops. And, um, well, it hits a refresh rate of 500 hertz. So, yeah, I mean, that, it is very impressive that, you know, Alienware went ahead and got a 500 hertz refresh monitor. I think you're starting to get to past the point where it's actually, you know, helpful. It comes with a stand, unlike Apple's. Shots being fired from chat. They also went ahead and showed a refresh of their, of their new Aurora PCs. And it's clear that they do watch Gamers Nexus because in fact, their Aurora PCs now have a vent on the side for additional airflow. Hmm. I wonder why they did that. Could it be they saw, they, they watched Gamers Nexus? Nah, that's impossible. 
Uh, but you know, at least anywhere can say they have the the fastest refresh monitor on the planet. Until Asus came in and said, you know what? Hold my beer. We're going to hit 540 hertz. All right, Linus, you need to go collab with Gavin Free again. We need to see if anyone can go ahead and utilize 500 and 540 hertz display. Because I got a feeling that uh, no one is going to get a benefit out of a refresh rate this high. We're starting to get so ridiculously high that it's just like, ah, maybe that's, that's high enough. Okay, maybe that might be, you need to probably still get a benefit from that. Yeah, that might be, that's enough. Now we're getting to the point of just like, can the human brain process things that fast? Because I'm starting to have some serious doubts in that regard. Now, with that said, we can't ignore the gaming sector without talking about everyone's favorite gaming company to rip on, Razer. So Razer always comes out and, co and gives us some crazy, crazy concepts to look at. We've gotten an Atom-based netbook that used what we now refer to as a stream deck for their keyboard that they said could game. It never came out. A little bit of that DNA came to another product that then got killed. We have seen, we have seen a modular water-cooled PC where you just pop out modules, pop them in, it all used quick connects. We never saw that, that ever again. There's plenty of others that I can't think of right now. A toaster. So what did Razer announce this time? Well, Razer came to CES with, someone in chat says the Razer face mask. They actually launched it though. They actually did launch the Razer face mask. It's just that it's not medically N95. Oops, just short. We have the Razer Edge, which is uh, a handheld tablet with controllers they already had once attached to the sides to make it look like a Switch. Okay, so Razer launched a Steam Deck competitor. Okay, um, this will be going on sale for $400, and this will be running, uh, oh, this is running a Snapdragon, which means it'll run Android. Okay, Mike here has instantly vanished. We have Project Carl. I know it says Project Carol. I'm gonna pro call it Project Carl because that amuses me more. And it is a gaming chair. It's, it's a chair with speakers in it. Anyway, Razer also introduced the Razer 16 and Razer Blade 16 and Razer Blade 18 uh, small, thin, and light gaming laptops that uh, support Intel's new CPUs and NVIDIA's new GPUs. So um, enjoy those uh, $2,700 and $2,900 gaming laptops. And they also introduced. The Leviathan V2 Pro soundbar, a soundbar that uh, has RGB. Um, okay. It is said that it'll also have surround sound via AI head tracking and already I have no faith in it. Uh, they also introduced the Kiyo Pro Ultra webcam to compete with the, with the Elgato face cam. This is supposed to be the best face cam out there to bring DSLR, DSLR like video quality to a plug-and-play webcam also introduced a, a, a strap for your vr headsets that's it this might be the tamest i've ever seen razor like nothing seems like like everything's like plausible i'm actually really surprised i was really expecting to see you know the crazy water-cooled chair that produces sweat or um i don't know something that just makes you go wait what like none of it is just like really out there. It's all like pretty tame stuff. So I don't know. It's actually like pretty, Razer had a pretty tame section this time around. 
Apparently someone in the chat has this camera and it's it's far and away the best camera on the market, provided you know how to set the bloody thing up. Okay, yeah, so that's typical Razer, unfortunately. That's one thing they really need to work on. Ring was also at CES and showed off that, yes, the security drone is still happening. They showed off a bit more of it and showed that, in fact, if you want to use it inside your house, you need to walk it along your house. Just like, just, just walk your drone along. Just walk it along and give it the perimeter. And then while the alarm is set, it'll just zoom back and forth like a drony guard pup, go back to its base station charge and repeat the process. It's still an interesting concept. I think is fascinating for, for businesses. I think that's where this thing will excel. For the average person at home, you know what I see happening? I see a lot of destruction at home as your cat tries to go and knock the drone out of the sky. That's just my personal opinion in that regard. Next up, Ram. Yeah, that, that Ram. Dodge Ram was at CES. What for? Why, to show off their new electric vehicle in concept form. The Dodge Ram EV, their Ram 1500 EV, is now in concept form. And quite frankly, I don't really want to talk about any more than that because it is clearly a concept car. It looks like a concept car. The entire inside looks like a cage. It's, it's a concept car. I mean, it looks cool. It looks sleek. It looks space age. It looks something from the future. But here's the thing. So does every concept car ever. Like the Tesla Semi and like every other concept vehicle, don't get your hopes up until you actually start seeing the production version of it. Now, every year I go over the best in show. Here's the thing. This year, CES is not doing awards. <gasps> are they learning? It actually looks like they are. It looks like CES is not doing any official awards. But one thing I always like to do is look at The Verge. Because The Verge always has the most comical awards ever. Oh, man. Thank you, Verge. For once again, you too can show me what the best of CES is. Oh, please. Well, The Verge opens up with the best monitor, which is the Samsung Odyssey G95SC. That big freaking ultra wide we saw. We don't know the price tag. We already knew what it was. All right. Next up was their best, best evolution of a concept. Oh, that's what we need. That's what we need. Th th those silly awards that make no sense. Best evolution of concept. What does that mean? Well, it means whatever they want it to be. The best evolution of a concept, the BMW iVision D. Uh, here we go. Going ahead and rewarding a random car. And then their best in show they declared as matter. A smart home adoption standard. Wait, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Even The Verge is leaning away from these silly awards that mean nothing. Even their best in show was like, uh, this, uh, that standard over there. Sure, whatevs. Someone in chat asked, what fake meat was the best? The one they didn't taste. You're starting to see more and more these sort of outlets trying to lean away from these awards because they end up being non-productive. It's almost as if my countless years of reporting on these awards and how silly they've been is finally starting to sink in. It is silly. That being said, Engadget did actually have a set of awards. They were fairly reasonable. I'm not gonna go over them on Eagle Eyes on Tech. I did go, go over them on the early bird briefing that aired earlier today, or if you're with me live, it's gonna air tomorrow. So with that said though, I do have the bizarre stuff. 
Oh, yes. We're going to give a whole segment to stuff that is worthy of being the last burb. Right after this break, we will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, let's get to the weird stuff. The very, very bizarre. And man, we are starting off strong with some very weird things. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you guided the uh, face mask solely built to silence yourself so that you can talk without being audible to anyone near you. <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it is a face mask you put over your mouth specifically so that you cannot be heard. You wanna know how the thing works? <laughs> Someone in chat said they should force people on public transportation to wear them. Oh man, it's the human muzzle. The way it does this is by basically generating white noise. So essentially become a low frequency annoyatron by giving your voice noise cancellation. A, a, a for effort, a, a, a for effort. It probably works better than their demonstration showed, but man, um, it's not a good look. I'll say this much. Zona Jazz, does it mean the noise can't go through walls? We don't know because all we got was a small demonstration. There's a lot of people in chat that said they would totally wear one. I think that might change when you actually see the blasted thing. Because, um, you thought the N95 masks were, were, a, were an embarrassing look. Boy, that ain't got nothing on what it looks like someone just went ahead and strapped two full inches of leather muzzle to your face looks like. I'm, I'm not a fan of this device. I'm not. It's just no. <laughs> It's an interesting concept, but it is just that. It's it's made of no. All right. So remember that BMW vehicle we talked about during the um during the Verges Awards? Well, that actually is in our wound roundup of weird tech. The BMW iVision D is an EV that uh is very interesting to say the least. First off, it is a vehicle that can change colors on the fly. It also has very interesting glass that can either be that um well it can either be opaque or transparent so it can you can decide whether people can see you or not you can also have it display anything you want the windows are actually transparent lcd screens which means if you have a virtual avatar and rather that be seen than yourself driving your car you could do it <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's a concept car. There is no way in heck this is ever going to come out, but this is so quirky and weird. <laughs> Someone in chat, here's, that's the future of getaway vehicles. It really is. You thought that weird paint that looks purple at one angle and blue at another was the, uh, the ultimate in peak getaway technology. Uh-uh. That got nothing, nothing on BMW's new car. There also was a smart stroller at CES, a stroller that will drive itself 
and carry off your baby with you shortly near it. This hands-free baby stroller technology is, it's interesting to say the least. You know, it could be very useful for people in circum certain circumstances. It's definitely a very interesting disability kind of device. The only problem is that it is $3,300 and is targeted at the ultra rich who cannot be bothered to push a stroller. Thank you, CES, for once again giving us something that literally nobody asked for. Oh, but you know what someone did ask for? Not this. L'Oreal has created a motorized lipstick ab applicator. The device is something you hold in your hand and extends another, I don't know, six inches and then robotically applies the makeup, or in this case, lipstick. Now, I fully admit, I am 100% not in anywhere remotely close to the market for something like this as someone with, with two working hands and as someone who believes that their way of getting ready in, in the morning is actually going through the very difficult task of actually getting out of bed and that being the hardest part and then taking a shower, brushing teeth and then putting a shirt on and running out the door. And maybe if I'm lucky, remembering pants. So the thought of actually applying lipstick is 100% foreign to me. Is this actually a problem? Because <laughs> I wouldn't think it would be, but the more and more I think about it, the more and more, like I look at this and this seems like the most bizarre thing ever, but it is a thing that may or may not actually hit the market. But you know, I think we can top this. What if instead of a robotic arm applying the makeup, we print the makeup directly onto your face? L'Oreal also introduced a printer for your face to apply makeup directly to your face. Ah, yes. You know, this one might, uh, this one might have more uses, but I'm, again, not my market at all. I'm sure that someone actually is actually confirming exactly what I thought, that there actually are a few people that probably would prefer this, you know, but here's my concern. And it's the same thing with the lipstick robot. Is it going to get it right? Like, I'm fairly certain that everyone's face is different. Someone in chat said that if this leads to like hand printing tattoos or something on the battery, you could change it every day, that they, they would actually get one. That would be interesting. Someone in chat says, who cares? You just blame the robot. I have a feeling that is not going to help. That's not going to help you at all. Because you can do that right now and be like, oh, who cares? And then of course, would it really be CES without a flying car? No, no, it wouldn't. Aska A5 is a flying electric car that can take off vertically yes it's a drone car it is a flying car that is it, it's it's a drone it's, it's a person-sized drone it will carry you off take you to your destination it's a drone it can go up to 250 miles in the air on a single charge it, it it's a flying it's it's a drone i feel like <laughs> someone in chat's like dude people don't know how to drive on land what makes you think they can drive in the air i am fairly certain this device is self-driving because it's much easier to do self-driving in the air than it is on land but um i think this really just shows i've been doing this way too long because it's just like oh it's a flying car oh okay like this doesn't phase me anymore oh it's a flying drone oh neat because self-driving vehicles are so good right now someone in chat says oh yeah totally they're totally great now of course no price on the vehicle yet no estimated date on when it's going to arrive this is clearly a concept vehicle you're never going to see it for a while.
But, you know, I promised weird stuff, and so far this has been fairly tame, right? How about an AI-powered device, all right? Let's... Already we're off to a good start, right? Right? AI-powered device. How about it being a haunted typewriter that is used to write horror novels using AI? The crew at Mystery Inc., which apparently is a real company and not just fictional, has revealed the Arduino and AI. A self-functioning typewriter that will use AI to write novels. Specifically, horror novels. Someone in the chat said, wasn't Mystery Inc. the Scooby-Doo gang? Yes, and apparently that the company actually exists outside of the Scooby-Doo universe. I'm just as surprised as you, to be perfectly honest. Like, wow, Scoob, that typewriter writes with itself. It's even called the Ghost Writer. I'm not kidding. It actually was called the Ghost Writer. <sighs> it's incredible. Oh, but, you know, we can do better, right? How about this? The craziest thing I could find at CES. I'm sure a lot of you that watched my stream on Saturday can already guess what it is. Because it was the only thing I could talk about because it blew my mind so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the urinal puck that measures your health based on your pee. The device fits inside your toilet and looks like a urinal puck that you'd find in a men's restroom, except, you know, white. And will measure various elements inside of your pee to see if you're living a healthy lifestyle. In the medical world, first off, let's get one thing straight. In the medical world, having knowledge about your health is very important to actually making sure that you don't die to something that could be preventable, like, say, a cancer or anything of that regard. This is an important medical device. However, I will not, I will not stop making fun of it because it is, in fact, an electronic device that fits in your toilet that measures your pee. Because that's what Silicon Valley needs. It needed... And a sleek Apple-like device in which you're encouraged to pee on it. But now you could, of course, argue which one of those stories is the weirdest story of the, of the week. But I decided to go outside of CES for the last bird. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, introduced outside of CES, I give you an AI-powered lawyer that will help defend a client from misusing AI. Oh boy. Dude, have you seen how AI performs lately? We, we have one bot out of hundreds, thousands, millions even, that functions properly. I just wanna know, would this AI have actually taken up Logan Paul's case? But here's the real question. Here's the real point on this. The point of this device was in fact to go ahead and give the everyday person a fighting chance to fight against mega corporations that have tons of deep pockets to tap into when it comes to big lawsuits. Ah, yes, that is the important part. Cause you, cause you know what's most important? It's, it's to stand for the little guy using an AI powered cheap substitute that may or may not actually be able to defend correctly. Well, hopefully, Everything works out for you if you're defended by an AI. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I do encourage you, check out the daily podcast, the early bird briefing, which you can find 
wherever you found this podcast. We're doing daily episodes yet again with shorter ones on the weekends. I am looking for all the feedback in the world. Please let me hear your feedback. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. We didn't talk about a whole lot because we only had to do one sponsored uh, stream with them. But big thanks to HelloFresh for sponsoring this podcast. The offer is still going. They are still paying us. You can go ahead and use my code in the description of this podcast, which is P-O-G-H-F-18278, or just click the link in the description. It's way easier to get 21 free meals. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. See, now I just want to see Saul Goodman. Or what, what was the name of the show? Better Call Saul? I want to see what that show would be like if there were AI lawyers. I think the finale would be much more entertaining. Though realistically, that show just ended the way it had to end. Even though I wish there was a better ending on it. Needless to say, puck that measures my urine. It's, at some point, I'm just... Ugh, I don't know, man. It was weird.